The Bible says if Jesus didn't rise from the grave, our preaching is in vain and your faith is useless. Amen? Everything hangs on whether he rose from the grave or not. And we are here in this place today because we believe he did. Amen? Amen. We believe he did. He conquered the grave. We've been singing about it. Amen. And, you know, then I challenge folks with if he did, as we know he did. Amen. If he did, then wouldn't everything he did and said be worth looking into? I mean, if he's the savior of the world, he died on a cross and rose again. Wouldn't it make sense to follow him? Hello? It makes sense to follow him. I want to read every quote he ever said. I want to know his book. I want to know the history of it. Man, I want to come and gather in a church to learn more about it. Because praise the Lord, we have found and have come to a conclusion in our life that this is true. And praise God, if you're here seeking, maybe you haven't been uh, in a while. Maybe you've come, you know, it's a special day Easter and the Holy Spirit pricked your heart to come. I challenge you to look into this deeper because I believe as you seek, you will find the evidence is clear. There is a God and it's his son is Jesus. And he did die on a Roman cross and he rose from the grave. Amen. I believe anybody with an open mind who seeks intellectually with their heart looks into it and and seeks the truth they will come to the conclusion that it's all real amen Amen? praise the lord if you haven't you just don't have the right information yet but praise god you keep on coming so i'm glad that you're here uh praise god it's easter sunday i want to go through uh some truth about easter praise the lord and looking at it in the book of john we're going to stay in john most of the day and look at it from his perspective. Praise God. Turn with me to John, first of all, John chapter 18. John 18. Glory to God. John 18. You know, there's four gospel accounts of the life of Jesus Christ. Not just one, but four. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they all line up. But to get the whole picture, you need to read them all. Because some of them reported some parts of his life that the others didn't report. But praise God, there's some parts of his life that all four wanted to make sure they wrote it down. And praise God, the resurrection is one of them. Amen? Well, here's a little story about what was happening um, in his trial and in his uh, passion that he was going through. John chapter 18. Let's start in verse 33. Pilate then went back inside the palace. He summoned Jesus and asked, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea? Jesus asked. Or did others talk to you about me? Hmm. I love this guy, man. I love the way he's talking to what was then, you know, the one in charge of the whole, all of the land of Uh, Israel and for the Roman Empire, Pilate, he, um, in in secular sense, had the power or authority to kill anyone he wanted, arrest anyone he wanted, set free anyone he wanted. But praise God. And then Jesus is brought to a trial to him, you know, and now he's questioning them because Pilate was quite intrigued by this guy, Jesus. He was, he wasn't really He wasn't out to get him or to crucify him. Matter of fact, you see, Pilate wanted to set him free. Pilate 
heard about him and heard about him raising the dead and opening blind eyes and heard about all the stir it was causing at the temple and causing with the religious Sadducees and Pharisees of the day, the religious rulers, that Pilate really didn't like those guys anyway. So here, these uh, Jewish hierarchy leader brought Jesus to Pilate, wanting him to be crucified, and Pilate was questioning, because he didn't care about, he didn't like the religious leaders of the day. He just kind of used them to keep the peace around Israel because if there was a big stir of the Jews rising up against Rome, Pilate would be in trouble from Caesar. So he kind of worked out politics with them to try to keep order uh, in, you know, in Jerusalem and around the area because there was a lot of Jews living there and a lot of them hated Rome. And Pilate used the religious of the day to keep the Jews under control for his sake, you see. But he really didn't like them. And he really wondered if he should be putting to death this man that in his eyes didn't break any Roman law. He just stirred up some stuff with the Jewish leaders. So Pilate's asking him, are, uh, um, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus says, is that your idea, Pilate? Or did others talk to you about me? Pilate, am I a Jew? It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, verse 36, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to preserve, uh, to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. Now Jesus Christ is just speaking, you know, the truth in the spiritual sense to this man, Pilate. Pilate answers, you are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you are right in saying that I'm a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Wow. You're here today, I believe, because you're on the side of truth. The Holy Spirit of God drew you here. You believe the truth and want to continue growing in that truth. He says, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. The contrast of that would be folks that aren't on the side of truth don't listen to him. Amen? So we see this truth as really being a dividing line in our world today. Amen? Everyone on the side of truth, listen, now speak, think about what he's saying. Jesus is witnessing and saying this to the Roman ruler of the area, of the whole area. And he's speaking this truth in a spiritual sense. Look what Pilate says. What is truth? Jesus is talking about the truth on a deep level, spiritual truth. That's the truth of everything. And Pilate says, what is truth? So this guy grows up and advances in the Roman army to the point where he's selected as leader of a whole region of the Roman Empire, and he don't know what truth is. Hello? We got some leaders like that all around the world, don't we? We got some folks, secular leaders from around the world in different governments, in different kingdoms. They've been exalted by the people in this position or that position, but they don't have a clue of what's true. 
Here's Pilate. Jesus is telling him truth. He does it. What is truth? I don't know it if I hear it. With this, he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. So he's stirred. This guy's talking about the kingdom out of the world and, and truth. And Pilate, the Roman leader, is like, what is truth? I don't, I don't get you, but there's something about you. I don't want to be responsible for killing you. So he goes to the Jews and he says, look, guys, I know y'all are angry with him. I know you want him crucified, but you know what? I question him and I don't see anything he's done. Pilate didn't want to kill him. He was scared of him, this Roman ruler. I find no basis against him. But it's your custom for me to release one of the prisoners at the time of the Passover. It's the time of the Passover. It's been customary over the years. We release somebody in grace and mercy for the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion, but they just wanted Jesus was a threat to their way of life. He was a threat to the system of the law. He was a threat to the temple leaders and all their religious power they had with Pilate and everything else. He was threatening. He had more people following him than following them. And they were upset and jealous and they wanted him dead, even if they had to release a rebellious murderer. Now, go with me from we're going to be flipping through a few in John. From John 18, go with me to John 14. John 14, famous quote. If you follow him, you know this. Talking about keeping in line with that theme, that idea of truth. Verse 6, John 14, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Pilate asked, what is truth? Guys, here's the foundation of it. Jesus. If you can't get this truth right, you don't know anything. He's the basis of all truth. What is truth? Pilate said. And here Jesus answered, I am the way. I am the truth. Until you come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, you might think you know some stuff, as a lot of secular people do, but really they have no basis for what is true. They might have a few facts together, a few facts of human knowledge of this and that, but they don't know truth. Truth comes with knowing Jesus because he is the truth. Amen? The truth on the deepest level. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. John chapter 14. Let's look at verse 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Those of us who've come to know or been pricked in our heart by God and come to believe in the truth and to know him, to know him, we love him and we want to follow him. It's evident in our life because we want to obey him. We want to adhere to his teaching because praise God, he has become our Lord 
and our Savior, and he says, if you love me, follow me, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to give you a gift. I'm going to give you my spirit. He's telling them. He's preparing them for them. If you love me and believe in me, I will give you another counselor, one like me, to be with you forever. And here's what he calls his name, the spirit of truth. If we love God, received him as a savior, Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you, uh, you want truth? I'm going to give you the spirit of truth. Church, all you believers out there, hallelujah, loving and following Christ, he's given us his spirit, the Holy Spirit, which he is the way, the truth, and the life. And now we have his spirit, which is, he says, is the spirit of truth. Church, now with the spirit of truth, God's spirit, the spirit of Christ, he is the truth, and now his spirit of truth lives in me. So now from everything that passes my eyes, my mind, my reading, the television, the news, everything on earth goes through the filter of truth. Amen? So we can look and analyze the world news. We can analyze what this, that, and people are, you know, you know, misguided by the systems of the world, the fight, the fake news they're getting, all these different things on the television, all these things in the world, all this teaching in schools and colleges, all this, praise God, without the spirit of the truth, you can't know truth and you can be swayed by anything out there. But we, the believer who have the spirit of truth living in us, we can understand stand and discern what's right and what's wrong, what's true and what's a lie. And man, I want to tell you, we need the spirit of truth because there's a lot of lies out there right now. There's a lot of things happening and stirring. Praise the Lord. Amen. He will give us the spirit. Now watch what it says here, the spirit of truth, verse 17. Then it says this, the world cannot accept him. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. The world can't receive and accept and understand the spirit of truth. The world who hasn't come to Christ can't really know truth about anything. They can quote some facts and stuff, but they don't have the basis of what's really the truth behind it all. They can't see the why or the how of everything. The world neither sees him or doesn't know him, but you know him, church, for he lives with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Praise the Lord. I'm going to give my spirit. I'm going to show. It says in verse praise the Lord, 21, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love him and show myself to him. I believe, praise the Lord, we as Christians with the Holy Spirit in us who is showing us all the truth, we're continually, uh, God is continually revealing a deeper revelation of Christ. He says, if you love me and follow me, I will show myself to you. I believe uh, many of you here are here because he has shown himself to you. And I believe this for you, church. Today, coming in obedience to celebrate the resurrection and you making the effort to follow and listen, God will show himself to, to you to more right now by this word.
And then this week, as we follow him, he'll continue to unfold and show himself more and more to us. Amen? God revealing himself to us. Praise the Lord. Now, turn with me back a few more pages in John chapter 8. Let's look at this idea of truth growing a little deeper. John 8, verse 31. To the Jews who had betrayed him, Jesus said, if you hold, no, excuse me, to the Jews who had believed in him. So some betrayed, some believed. These are the ones who believed in him. To the Jews who had believed in him, if you hold to my teaching, then you are really my disciples. Okay? All right, so he, he, he leads us and guides us in the truth. We who believe in him, we hold on to that teaching and we want to and have a desire and he empowers us to walk in it. Okay? If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, he's te teaching, he's talking to these Jews who believed in him. They still got lots of questions. They begin to answer, we are Abraham's descendants and we have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say we shall be set free? Okay. Well, first of all, they're missing history. They were slaves for 400 years to Egypt. They didn't quote that, okay? All right. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. It's not like you have freedom to sin. It's like that sin has a hold and bondage over you, okay? It holds you. Now, a slave has no permanent place in a family. That slave works for the family and is in bondage and doesn't have a permanent spot. But a son belongs to the family forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Amen? We're here again, church, the Son, Jesus Christ. We couldn't fulfill the law. He fulfilled the law. He died for us and he gave us his righteousness that we can be free from our nature of sin forever. We could be made righteous and holy and it's a gift. Church, I want to, hey, for our guests here and those who haven't been in a while, I want to lay it out real clearly what this church is all about, what the gospel, the truth is all about. You see, most Christians around there and churches around the world, we understand that we've all been sinners. We understand that we've fallen short of the glory of God. We understand that we need to be saved. And we understand and believe that Jesus Christ died for our sins. To keep us from, hey, he saved us from the penalty of sin, being without God and going to hell forever. But what most folks don't get is the best part of the gospel. Not only did he die for your sin and took that away, but when he did, praise the Lord, he also crucified your sin nature. And the best part is after that, he took your sin away and then, church, he gave you his righteousness. You see, he's saying the Holy Spirit will live in you, will be with you. I want to challenge you to think about this. Jesus died on the cross and paid the penalty for your sin, but that wasn't his ultimate goal. He cleansed you, church, so that he could fill you. 
with his presence, his holiness. He's telling you, you want to know truth? I'm going to give you, the believer, the spirit of truth, not to come upon you every now and then and talk to you through a prophet. I'm going to give you the spirit of truth to live inside of you, and he will lead you and guide you into all truth. Church, what, what I'm, we're preaching this truth, hallelujah, to pastors and leaders around the world. Why? Because the majority of the Christian church is just now, by the spirit of truth, waking up to this fact that Jesus cleansed us so that we can be made righteous. And we believe and teach here, if you've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, you are no longer a sinner. It's such good news. We've been made righteous and we've been given the holiness and the righteousness of God because Christ comes to live in us. Amen? Now we still struggle because we're in this fallen world. I'm not doubting that. I'm not saying that. We still have things to go through and we still might sin. Okay? But we're not a noun. We're not a professional. We're not a sinner. We are a person who has weaknesses still in this world and we struggle sometimes and we might fall to some of it in sin, but you're not a sinner. Jesus cleansed you and he wouldn't have done it if it wasn't going to work. Amen. Hallelujah. God wouldn't have sent Jesus to die on the cross and to go through all of that and bleed and die if it wouldn't have worked to cleanse you completely. And yet half the church doesn't understand this. They're coming to the altar. Oh, I'm a filthy, rotten sinner. Announcing and asking forgiveness for sins they've already asked forgiveness for five years ago when they got saved. Amen. That's an insult to my Lord. Amen. Quit insulting the blood of Jesus. He wants you to know today that when he bled and died, he cleansed us once and for all, that he can fill us with his righteousness, with his holiness. And if any man be in Christ, you are a new creation. You are no longer of Adam. You've been born again of the Spirit. And now the Spirit of God lives in you. And the Spirit of God could not live in you if you haven't been cleansed. Hello? So we need to accept that and grow in it. That's why this church, we have Bible studies and life groups and teachings and books we recommend, River of Life 101, for you to go through to get this truth that's in your spirit into your brain so you can believe it because you can't really walk it out until you believe it. You've got to believe it. Think about it. He said, I'm going to give you the spirit of truth who will live in in you. He couldn't live in you if you were a filthy, rotten sinner. He first has to cleanse you. And that's what Jesus did. He cleansed you so that he could fill you. Are you with me? You see, the cross was the price he paid. But the prize was 50 days later at Pentecost. So he could fill them with the promise from, a fa from the Father. The Spirit of the living God could now come to earth and dwell inside his body on earth, the church. He cleansed the church that he could fill us with his Spirit.
Now, we want you to walk out of here today knowing Jesus Christ died and rose again and celebrate the fact that he has cleansed us by our faith in him from all of our sin. But more than that, he took our sin nature. My nature is not a sinner anymore. My nature is righteous and holy. He's given me a new nature, a divine nature from the Father God. I used to be from the Father Adam who fell. Now I'm from the second Adam, Jesus. I've been born again, have the righteousness of God living in me, and that's who we really are. And if we can renew our mind to the truth of what's in us, it will be a lot easier to live it. So we must go to churches that's preaching this truth, the truth of what Christ has done. Amen? Maybe you're a guest here for Easter Sunday. I'm glad you're here. I believe the Holy Spirit drew you here. Now, praise God, I believe the Holy Spirit's going to draw you back for the rest of your life until our King returns. I'm asking you to make a commitment. You know what? I came to celebrate the resurrection. But in my own life, I haven't really been faithful at going to a Bible-believing church about being involved. But I see now, Lord Jesus, you died and rose again. Not for me to just to celebrate once in a while, but you want me faithful and committed to a local church to continue to grow in fellowship because there's a whole lot of more truth that the Holy Spirit wants to show us. Amen? I challenge you to that. Hallelujah. Let's continue to read about this truth. If we move on, amen. Chapter 8, we say, if the Son sets us free, you'll be free indeed. They go on questioning They say in verse, I know you, he says, I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you're ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. Chapter 8, verse 38, I am telling you what I have been say, what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you do what you have, and and do what you have heard from the Father. So he's saying, hey, I'm, I'm listening to the Father. Me and the Father are one. I'm doing his will. I'm speaking his word. Now they, they stop and they say, Abraham is our father. Jesus said, if you were Abraham's children, then you wouldn't do the things, then you would do the things Abraham did. As it is, you are determined to kill me. A man who has told you the truth and that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the things your own father does. Then they answered, we are not illegitimate children. They protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, if you were, uh, if God were your father, you would love me for I came from God. Now he tells them in the next line, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out his desire. Church, I want to make this clear. Not everybody in this world is a child of God. Everybody in this world is a creation of God, and he loves us. He loves us enough to, while we're yet sinners, he sent his son to that those who believe in him can become a child of God. But until you receive Christ as your savior, you're a created being of God, and he loves you, praise the Lord, but you're not in his family. Read it. He just said, you guys, you think you're, you're a child of Abraham? You may be a natural child of Abraham, but you're not a child of Abraham's faith. If you were, 
you would want to listen to me. How can we tell the children of God? They want to listen to him. They want to follow him. We can see it. You'll have fruit in your life. You want to do the things of your father God because your nature has been changed, you know? So he's saying, you guys are of your, of your father, the devil. There's only two. You've either been blinded by the enemy and you don't know the truth and you're a child of the devil or you've been born again accepting the fact that you can't live righteous enough so you ask Jesus to save you from, her, from yourself and your faith in him saves you and you're born into his kingdom. Amen? But until that happens, you're a child of the devil. Hello? The world wants to teach, oh, we're all children of God. Not true. Read it again. Okay? We're a creation of God, and he wants us in his family, and he's opening up salvation. He wants everyone to be a part of his family. But he gives you the choice. He will not make you believe in his son or follow his son. It will be a choice that you have. So praise the Lord. They're asking him about this. He's sharing with them. Now, it gets to verse 58. They keep going on about Abraham. Well, Abraham is our legitimate, you know, forefather. We can trace our roots all the way back to Jacob and Isaac and Abraham. It's in our heritage. Right? Because we're a child of Abraham, we are a, a child of God and we have the covenant. And Jesus said, no, it's not that way. You want to come to be a child of God? You got to believe in me because I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And everything Abraham did, he did by faith in me, because faith in the word. Amen? So Abraham is the father of all who believe. If we know the truth, we understand that. It's not a physical thing, it's a spiritual thing. So they're saying, and they're questioning all of this, and look what Jesus says. He just cuts to the chase. I, I like sometimes reading in the book of John. Um, he doesn't play around with it. He just comes out in the very beginning. In John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He tells us who Jesus is in the opening line. Jesus is God in the flesh. He's the word of God become flesh. That's who he is. If you don't know that, you don't know truth. You don't have truth. You don't understand it. Jesus is God in the flesh. If you don't know that, you can keep seeking, open your heart, and God will reveal it to you because he is the truth. So he comes to him in verse 58. I tell you the truth. Look at it with me. John 8, 58. Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Now he's done it. To them, that's the ultimate blasphemy. Here's the whole reason why they get gathered up this evidence and others, and now they want to take him to the cross. They want to kill him because Jesus said he's God. Before Abraham was, I am. That I, I am in Hebrew is Yahweh. I am that I am. Amen? At this point, they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away on the temple grounds. Well, there he was. He just said it. They all grabbed the stones. They're about to kill him. And he just walked through them. Happened the same way in his hometown. He went to his hometown, Nazareth. They opened up the scroll to read Isaiah. And he said, today this scripture is fulfilled. Because Isaiah is talking about the Messiah coming. And I'm standing right here. You know what they did? They ran him to the cliff and we're going to throw him off and stone him. And he just slipped through his mist. They're mist. It wasn't his time. His time was coming to go to the cross. They weren't going to kill him with stones then. Amen? So there they were about to stone him. Why? Because he said, hey, I am God. If you want to know truth, you need to know this. Jesus is God in the flesh. 
Jesus is the living Word. The Word created it all. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. All things were made by Him. Who? The Word of God. John, 4, John 1, 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory of the one and only. Folks, you got to open your heart to the truth. Jesus is God in the flesh. And if he is and died and rose again, then wouldn't you want to know everything he said? Amen. You come next Sunday, we have a River of Life 101 class going on to teach and have you continue. What's next? We want to grow in this truth. We want to get with others and study it. We want to learn about it. We want to understand. We want to keep seeking because we don't just want to hear about this, that you died and rose. If you did, we want to know you. Well, I want to know what you said. I want to know what you did. I want to know your plan for my life. Teach me, Lord. I want to follow. And as you take the next step to follow, guess what? He'll show you the next step. But if you don't take the first one, how can he show you the second one? The first one is obvious, church. He wants you to involved in a spirit-filled Bible-believing church that you can continue regularly and faithfully. He loves you so much. We want you here. We want to know you. We want to be a part of your life. We want to encourage you. You have a sick child. We want you to be able to bring it up that we can lay hands on you and believe for healing. We want to teach you and encourage you. We want to counsel your marriage. We want to help you with the troubles you're having with your children. We want to lay everything open that we've learned over 30, 40 years of following him, that our leaders have learned. We want to give it to you and encourage you and walk with you and talk with you and walk this thing out. We live in a dangerous, fallen world that wants to rip you up, take your children, take your teenagers, get them involved in the world. And God wants to draw his family close to him through the word of God, through his own body he has on earth and that is the church the church is the body of christ he doesn't have a second body the church is the only body he has on earth everything he does he wants to do through the church where his hands where his feet where his mouthpiece he wants to draw you close to him is that right girls y'all got this on your phone the scripture are you all in john eight praise the lord amen Go with me now. Girls, go this one. John 9. Go to that on the phone. John chapter 9. Follow along with me. Look up verse 16. I'm going to ask one of y'all to read it. <laughs> it's okay. We're just keeping everybody straight. Everybody get on the page. In the book, go to John 9 or on your phone. I don't care if you use your phone. Go to John 9. Let's look it up. John 9. Tell me when you get to verse 16. I'm going to call on one of y'all to read. Everybody there? Anybody say amen? amen? Hey, part of knowing the truth, guys, is looking, looking for it, looking at it yourself. It's not enough that I know the truth and I speak the truth. You've got to want it yourself. Okay? You've got to look into it for yourself. Okay? John chapter 9, verse 16. Praise the Lord. But others asked, let me back up a step. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. So they had some little things confusing them. Oh, that church is not from God. They take in the sinner. This church is not from God. That We saw that Jesus and his disciples eating corn on the Sabbath. 
This guy can't be from God. We saw him healing the sick on the Sabbath. That church can't be from God. They play some rowdy music. There's always going to be little things for you to stumble. Oh, I don't like that preacher Pastor Dave likes on TV. He looks funny and he has an accent. <laughs> Dude, most of them I watch look funny and have different accents. Why? Because God allows you allow to have some stumbling in case to see who's looking for the truth. Oh, I don't want to go to that church. Judas goes there. What if Peter, James, and John would have left Jesus' church because of Judas? You know, some folks might leave the church because, well, there's a hypocrite in there. Dude, we might have one out of 12 as Judas. God wants to see if you're going to be looking at Judas or looking at Jesus. Amen. That blows that excuse right out of the water, huh? Folks going to churches looking to see what's wrong. We don't look for what's wrong. I go to church, I look to hear from God. Amen. And because I'm sensitive to it and looking for it, I do. I hear from God. You can be a negative person looking for problems, or you can be a positive one listening for the spirit of truth. Think about that. Peter, James, and John, and all the rest of them, they could have been looking at Judas so close and seeing he was, he's, you know, the Bible says he was stealing from the money bag, and Jesus knew it, and they knew it. They could have left the church, and they'd have missed out on Jesus. You know? There's a, man, we got to be sensitive. We want to, Lord, help me to follow the truth of your word. Help me to stay focused. What pastor is saying, help me to look at your word. Help me to read it. Help me to understand. Show me the truth. And the Bible says, this guy can't be from God. He doesn't keep the Sabbath. He doesn't tuck his shirt in. But others asked, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? For they knew he had healed the blind, the lame walk, and what did. And the Bible says here, now watch this, church. See it for yourself. So they were, what? Divided. Everybody say divided. divided. This truth is going to keep on dividing the world. It's going to keep on dividing everywhere. You know, I'm interested. I'm going to move on to the resurrection story, and we're going to be closing in a minute. I have something special I want to share with you. Go with me to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. I'm going to try to close in the next six minutes. And then I've got something else I want to do before we close. John 20, verse 1. You know, I was going to bring out to the, the Samaritans. Jesus went through Samaria that all the Jews hated the Samaritans because they were half-breeds of the Jews. It was tribes that broke away from Israel and intermingled with people of the land form their own kind of religion and the Jews hated them so much they wouldn't even walk through Samaria. On the way from Galilee to Jerusalem, they went a long route around Samaria. Jesus went right through it and he talked to a woman at the well. Jews weren't allowed to talk to women. They weren't allowed to talk to Samaritans. And here's Jesus, the son of God, breaking all their rules to reach out with love. Hello? And there he met a woman who was, had been sleeping around he told her that he loved her, everything she knew. He told her everything she did. He knew all about it, and he loved her anyway to show himself to her. She went and told the town. They came out, and they said, wow, we believe in this Jesus. We've heard him. Hey, not because you said it, woman, because we just heard him for himself, and we believe. And then they said, 
we believe that this man is the savior of the world. It's the first time it's listed like that in the Gospels. The Samaritans declared him first the savior of the world. These, this whole town of sinners heard the truth and recognized it and received it. You're the one. You're the savior. Now let's, let's see what the Jews did to him. They crucified him. Here on the third day, John chapter 20, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. She came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved. That's John, you know. He's writing this and he calls himself the one who Jesus, he doesn't say his name, John. He didn't, she didn't come running with Peter and John, came running with the one who Jesus loved. That's him. Okay, he knew he was loved. They have taken our Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running. The other disciple outran Peter. Man, John wanted us to know that. <laughs> John wanted us to know he was faster than Peter. The other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Okay, John. He bent over and looked in, and the strips of linen were lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth. The cloth uh, was folded up by itself, separated from the linen. That was a sign he was coming back. Finally, the other disciple who reached the tomb first, he just wouldn't say, finally, me, John, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still didn't understand the scripture. Folks, it goes on to say, Jesus, they went back and all the disciples were stirred. They didn't know what to believe. Then Jesus just passed through the wall and meets with his disciples. Amen. He shows himself. He says, it's me. Hey, the body, this physical body of Jesus as a man rose from the dead. His body rose. He still had the scars in his hands. And he showed them. He said, look, here's where they pierced my side. Here's the scars. His physical body. Your body will rise from the dead. It'll be transformed. It'll have to because it'll have rottened some. But it'll be transformed and glorified. But it'll be your body rising from the dead. <coughs> You'll be made new. Jesus, holy. He rose from the grave. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And he's coming again. Thomas wasn't there at that time, the Bible says, and he doubted. He said, I, I ain't going to believe this until I see it. Jesus came back in, said, look, Thomas, put your hands right here. Amen. He showed himself. There's one more verse I like to always share. I never like to miss this at Easter time. It's one of my favorites. And then we'll close. Go to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew 27. Okay. If you got your Bible on your phone, go there. Matthew 27, so we can look at it together. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. The Bible says in verse 50 of Matthew 27, And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. Verse 51, church, are you with me? Thank you. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs broke open. 
Now look at this. If you haven't been here in the last few Easter's, you might not have seen this before. Let me show you something. 52. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. Folks, in Jerusalem, outside the city where the tombs are, the Bible says at the earthquake and the shaking when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says the tombs out there of many holy people, not just Jesus. Hey, it was a, I was in a Christian for many years before I finally saw this. Just missed it somehow. But man, now that I saw it, I preach it every Easter for sure. Why? Because it's so cool. The bodies of many, the tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. Watch this. They came out of the tombs and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the city and appeared to many. How many did they appear to? Man, I like to say it's kind of like this. I, I walk behind this door. Could you imagine what this is? This is real. This really happened. Let's put ourselves there and think about it. So they, uh, they had died last month, last year, 10 years ago, 20, I don't know. They were holy people. They loved the Lord. They were trying to follow the best they can. They were buried, put in tombs. And at Jesus' death... There was an earthquake and the tombs opened. And, the, and then they said they waited there. And after Jesus rose, it says they went back into the city. Question, where do you think they went? I think they went to where their wife was or their kids or their family. It might have looked like this. Hello? Hi, honey. I'm back. They, think about it. The Bible says, could you imagine the shock on the kids' faces and the grandkids? Where would you go if you rose from the dead and you were from the city? You'd probably go back to where your family was, right? Well, they went back and it says they appeared unto many. So they showed themselves they were alive. This guy, Jesus, who everybody was talking about might be the Messiah, died on a cross at the time of his death. Darkness came about at three o'clock in the day. The, there was an earthquake. All the rocks split. And now the veil of the temple, the temple shook in the veil that goes into the Holy of Holies where no one can go except the high priest once per year. The veil was torn, not from the bottom, but from God from the top opened it up signifying now we're going to welcome not just the high priest Jesus the high priest went in for you now he's opening the door for all to come in now the holy of holies was symbolic that's where the presence of God was and no one could go there because of our sin but now Jesus paid for our sin and he washed all of your sin gave you a new nature now you can go into the presence of God and we can walk with God and talk with God and you couldn't do it if you were still a sinner you might still sin but if you're a Christian you're not a sinner you're not, or you couldn't go in there. God is holy. He couldn't live in you if the blood of Jesus didn't fix the problem. I'm telling you the good news is better than you thought before. Jesus washed and took your sin nature, did away with it, and gave you a new nature, the nature of your father God. 
and you've been welcomed into the family. And if you believe this, the Holy Spirit will help teach you how to live it. You don't have to be bound by sin anymore because you're not.